stubs and cassette tapes i'm andy and i'm your host today we are taking a look at insidious the red door this is a new film that just came out today as i'm recording or excuse me yesterday as i'm recording um today is july 8th 2023 it's good to be back with you here on the podcast i just recently recorded the latest episode of Ecto-1 Radio. That's our Ghostbusters show. Uh, For anyone interested in that, uh, that's also on the podcast feed as well as our YouTube channel, Ticket Stubs and Cassette Tapes, so you can check that out there. Um, While we're talking about it, please go also check out our Facebook and Twitter page, Ticket Stubs and Cassette Tapes. Give us a follow there. Uh, please give us a subscribe on uh, whatever platform you're listening to us on, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever it is. Uh, Please give us a subscribe and leave us a rating. It would be much appreciated for you to do so. Now, first of all, let's talk about this um, right off the top here. I'm sure that there are some of you thinking, you know, Really, you're putting out a review for Insidious the Red Door, but you haven't reviewed um, Indiana Jones yet. And the answer to that is, yes, I know um, that you would probably expect me to have reviewed uh, Indiana Jones already. But uh, it basically comes down to this. I've been on vacation for uh, the Independence Day holiday uh, for the last week with my family. Uh, before that, I was busy getting things uh, sort of done around the house and done at work uh, in order to be able to take my vacation without having any worries when I got back. So I just simply, you know, just I have not had time to see Indiana Jones. And, you know, I, I did go see Insidious today, uh, but one of my friends who uh, is also a horror fan like me, um, who we've we've sort of watched this entire franchise together along the way. Uh, he was available to go see this movie today, so we just went ahead and and saw it. So still haven't got to Indiana Jones yet. I've heard good things. Um, I've had multiple friends of mine who are also Indiana Jones fans uh, who have seen the movie and and they've all said good things. Uh, you know, so I'm excited to see it. I'm I'm really a lot more excited to see it now, having heard. Um, what the people around me who I know and who I trust, you know, having heard their opinions of the movie, I'm a lot more excited about it. Doesn't mean I'm going to like it. Doesn't mean I'm going to love it or anything like that. But, um, you know, it's certainly pointing in a better direction for me right now than it was a month ago, uh, or a couple of months ago. So I'm excited about that and we'll get that uploaded as soon as I have a chance to see the film over this next week and uh, get the review done. So just wanted to start there off the top, but today 
what we're talking about is Insidious the Red Door. Now, um, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but um, I'm a a fan of the Insidious franchise. Um, I did see the the first movie back in, in theaters when it came out, I believe in 08, 2008, um, really enjoyed that movie. I thought it was something a little different in the way it was made. It was, uh, sort of the beginning of that, uh, jump scare, fake jump scare, uh, kind of, you know, that just that kind of format that we've settled into, uh, in, you know, a lot of Bloom House projects. And in basically in just horror movies in general, especially when they're dealing with the supernatural, we've we've gotten really used over the last fifteen years or so, really used to that jump scare, and then we'll have fake out jump scares and uh, stuff like that, uh, which is certainly nothing new. You know that's been around for a long time, but um, with these movies and the Conjuring Universe movies, it sort of seems like that's the format that um, has just sort of taken over and. I thought that that movie back then did a really good job of uh, balancing that kind of stuff with uh, a general overall creepiness, and that's what really got the hooks into me. Um, you know, watching that first Insidious movie was, uh, you know, just the overall creepy vibe and the story, and you know, the idea of the further and uh, the role that um, that played in the story. You know, as well as, uh, you know, you take into account um, Lynn Shea and the role that she played in that movie, uh, which just overall contributed to the creepiness of the story. I just really, there was something about Insidious, the the original Insidious, that uh, just stuck with you when you left the theater. It was one of those movies... I don't want to say it was in the same vein of, you know, The Exorcist or anything like that, but uh, it kind of did have that effect on me where you just, you leave the theater and you're thinking about it for a while. At least that's the effect it had on me and and my friend who saw it with me at the time. So I, I instantly became a fan of, you know, going to see any other sequel that they put out. Um... The second movie, Insidious Part 2, or whatever they call it, I enjoy that movie. It's a little bit different, obviously, with the more and more of the possession angle. And, um, you know, a true sequel following up the first movie. Um, you know, I really, I, I enjoy that movie. I don't think it's anywhere near as good as the first one, but it's one of those things where... Um, I still, you know, if I go back and watch the first movie, I'll I'll go back and watch the second one too because I think it's sort of in the same, it sort of has the same vibe to it. I'll be honest with you, I don't remember much about the next two movies that were made. I remember the third one a little better. I know that they're like prequels to the original two movies um, and don't really have anything to do with uh, the original characters of the first two movies other than, uh, Lynn Shea's character and the, uh, I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's just, I think she's 
the only one that's really a part of those movies. I could be wrong. It's been a long time since I've seen them, but um, I just don't remember much. You know, I just I, I just don't. Um, so I can't say much about those movies. I was really interested in this movie before I went to see it. I was really interested uh, because it was sort of a direct follow-up to those first two movies and that storyline with that family, uh, the Lamberts. And, you know, they brought back the whole original cast. That was, I thought that was, you know, very fun. I'm a big fan of Patrick Wilson. Um, Excuse me there. I'm a big fan of Rose Byrne. Um, you know, Patrick Wilson, of course, has sort of taken over this this genre, this uh, supernatural horror genre, uh, with his roles in these movies as well as the the Conjuring universe. You know, he's been a big part of that, and uh, of course, he directed this movie. So, this is sort of his directorial debut um, with this film, and <clears throat> and in the 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 horror movie sort of genre there. Um, and it also brings back Ty Simpkins, who played Dalton in the original two movies. Of course, Dalton being the main character of the first movie, he now returns as a young adult. Um, it also returns, of course, Rose Byrne as Renee Lambert and um, Andrew Astor as Foster Lambert. And uh, I believe Juliana Davies is, is, I don't know if she's a returning if she's the same returning actress, I believe she is. I could be wrong on that. Um, but you also see a return from Steve Coulter, who played Carl in uh, the uh, Insidious sequel, the original sequel. Um, you also have some cameos from Lee Wanell and Angus Sampson, who uh, return as Specs and Tucker for just a small scene. And uh, you do have the return of Lynn Shay as Elise um, from... Uh, I think all four uh, of the previous movie movies. I, I, again, I don't know if she was in all four, but I, I think she was. I could be totally off on that. Um, but she does make a return here in in a small form. Um, so, yeah, you get a lot of familiar faces back. And you also have the addition of uh, new characters uh, with uh, the character of Chris played, played by Sinclair Daniel. Or it could be Danielle, but I think it's Daniel. Um, she plays basically the biggest new role, um, in the movie as the, uh, roommate of Dalton. So, um, that kind of rounds out your basic cast list there. The basic one sentence plot of this is that, uh, you know, Dalton and, and, and Josh played by Patrick Wilson, um, are sort of rediscovering, you know, the further and all that they've went through, um, you know, because in the second movie they had their minds essentially wiped at the end of the movie so that they could forget all this. And, uh, they basically rediscover it, um, their past and, um, you know, find out some more secrets and stuff like that. Um, and basically have to, you know, fight this red faced demon one more time um to end their story um before we get you know really started here i will just say off the top i'm going to give spoilers away this is going to be a spoiler filled review so um you know if you're not interested in hearing spoilers this is your warning now uh you will hear spoilers so just fair warning there for you i'll just uh start right off the top here by saying 
I was, uh, quite honestly, I think I was expecting a little bit more out of this movie. I, it, it wasn't uh, as good as I, I hoped it would be. Um, it's not to say that I didn't enjoy parts of it, but, um, it was a movie that almost felt like it didn't even need to be made at the end of the day after I saw it. Um, I always thought the idea of Dalton and Josh having to, you know, basically them remembering what they had been uh, brainwashed to forget, um, you know, them remembering it and then having to fight this fight one more time for whatever reason, it, it was always intriguing to me, but at the end of the day, I just didn't feel like there was a whole lot of meat on the bone in this movie. I, I felt like they sort of rushed through the first half of this movie just to get to, you know, the parts of the further. And then there was some time spent in the further that didn't feel like it made a whole lot of sense with uh, Dalton going to find the uh, the boy who was killed in the frat house Um you know, just some sequences like that that just didn't seem like they uh, made a whole lot of sense to me as to why they were in the film. They just felt like they were there just to add some jump scares to the movie and to get us a little further towards the point of um, the father and the son being in the further together again to see the red-faced demon. Um, And then when the movie ended, I was really kind of sitting there like, really that's the end of the like we're done already like I just felt like I didn't see nearly as much as I was going to see and you know I think part of it looking back after these last few hours that I've spent thinking about it I think part of it was that first movie again really played that story up and and built the further up and built these demons up through the character of Lin Shay or I'm sorry the character of Elise um, you know, they just really built the story up really well and made you terrified of, you know, these, um, these demons or these tortured souls and this, this place called the further, uh, before you even saw it or before you even got there, it did such a great job of building the story up. And I kind of liken it to, uh, not to the same degree, but I kind of liken it to, you know, the Halloween movies, and and I'm such a big Halloween fan. Um, But one thing that original movie does so well is, you know, the character of of Dr. Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance, you know, he does such a good job of building Michael up uh, with dialogue rather than showing Michael being, you know, something, this indestructible uh, force, you know, he explains it in such a, a great way and builds it up and, and really builds that character up without you even having to see him doing a whole lot and really um, puts the fear in you. And that was what, in the first Insidious movie, that was what the character of Elise did so well. Unfortunately, in this movie, you don't really have that angle, so it's just you know, hey, remember this, and hey, remember this, and hey, remember this. Well, now we're going to have to go back there. But the truth of the matter is, to me, on my first viewing of this movie, it felt like, hey, remember this. Okay, now all of a sudden we're back. Okay, now now all of a sudden we've, we've really suddenly resolved this, and that's the end of the movie. Like, it just didn't feel like it 
it just never felt like the threat was that big to me. And uh, the red-faced demon in this, you know, he was so creepy and so scary in that first movie to me. But in this one, uh, it was almost, to me, it felt like they, they, they had him in the movie, but they almost didn't even want him there. I thought you would see him a little bit more front and center <clears throat> and see that he was really angry about um, the Lamberts basically winning the fight the first time around, and maybe he's been waiting on this day, and so he comes back with a vengeance. And I really thought that's what you would see, but unfortunately, um, you kind of see him get defeated much easier uh, this second time around than you did the first time. And that was really disappointing to me. You know, I, I know that, you know, late in the movie, um, right right towards the end, he possesses Dalton in this movie. Um, I don't really know how that's supposed to work because in the first movie, you know, he had Dalton. Uh, he had Dalton's body in the further, you know, I think chained up like he did at the end of this movie. But he can't possess Dalton's real body because um, he's got to wait, I guess, a, a certain amount of time until, um, you know, the, the real body's vulnerable enough. And, you know, Dalton was in a coma for a year in that movie, so that's a lot of waiting that he has to do. Well, in this movie, you know, Dalton comes to the further and he immediately um, possesses his, his real body from the further. And then he is only in Dalton's real body for, I mean, maybe like a minute. And then when Josh finds Dalton in the further, the, the demon has to basically leave his body and go back to the further, uh, to the lair to try to, uh, try to get Josh away or, uh, take him out so that he can, you know, go back and repossess Josh. But it just doesn't line up and make a whole lot of sense to me in, in context of what you were doing in the, in the first movie and sort of the rules that you created there. Also, to me, if you're going to do that, if you're going to go ahead and have him possess Dalton so easily, why not take advantage of that? I was really looking for it at some point in this movie. Like when Dalton got possessed by him, I really thought, okay, now maybe he'll kill this girl, this this Chris character, and then he'll go home to his family um, and maybe the demon will try to kill the family. I know that would be a little um, rehashy from like the second movie, but still I thought maybe he'll, he'll do something, um, you know, really extreme since he's supposed to be a demon. He's a demon, right? But like I said, he just barely possesses uh, Dalton for a minute maybe, and then goes back to the further gets defeated by uh you know josh getting back to his body and then taking the painting that he had painted of the door and then painting over the door and that's essentially how the demon is defeated and josh is able to escape the further and get back to his body and uh one thing about that that made me almost laugh a little bit in the theater was that josh comes back to his real body and the mother sees him wake up and instantly is 
uh, overjoyed and, and hugged him and whatever. And I'm just sitting there thinking, you've been through this before where he wakes up from the further and it ends up not being him in the body. So I don't know that I would be jumping to give him a hug without checking him out first to see if it's really him or not. But, um, you know, there are some continuity flaws, I, th- I think, definitely like those. Um, you know, you could really say, well, it's a throwaway kind of story anyway. And, you know, while that might be true, and it is true with a lot of horror franchises, you know, they they are, you know, continuing sequels and continuing storylines, but there always seems to be, you know, a real fast and loose canon with them. Um, I still would have liked for them to try to, you know, have kept some some strong continuity or as much as they could have with that first movie. And I really f- just felt like that this movie, besides the continuity issues, I just felt like it lacked a strong story or a strong purpose for even being made in the first place. I thought they would do more and maybe open the w- world up a little bit more. Um, but it just, it just felt like, I'll tell you what this movie felt like to me. It felt like a, hey, you know what, we should just get the crew back from the first couple of movies and just make another one. Like, that's what this movie felt like. Let's just take that story from the first two movies and just make a sequel to it with the original characters. And we'll just bring the red-faced demon back and, and fight him again. Like, that's what this movie felt like to me. And from the, like I said, from the trailers, from the idea of, we're going to have an insidious follow-up with the Lambert family 10 years later, and they're going to meet up with the red-faced demon again. To me, that, like I said, that's exciting because I was thinking maybe they would come up with a clever way of, um, you know, of meeting up with him again and, and what are the consequences of that this time, you know. Um, but that's just not what they did at all. It was very simplistic. It just felt like a you know, we'll bring back the hits and we'll give them a very basic story. Um, essentially something really close to the first movie. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll see some familiar faces and, uh, I don't want to say it's nostalgia because I, it's, this movie's not old. You know, this franchise isn't old enough for that. Uh, but it was just more or less, uh, you know, let's try to make a low budget horror movie and bring back some familiar faces and see if we can, uh, make a few bucks off of it. And that's really what this felt like for me. And I'm not going to say that's, that's exactly what they were doing. You know, I, I respect, um, I respect, uh, Patrick Wilson quite a bit as an actor. Um, I think he was probably setting out to make a, a really solid movie. Um, but maybe the story just fell flat for him. So, um, you know, I know that Lee Wanell wrote this, um, but to be honest, out of all the movies I've seen of his that he's been, you know, a part of making, I would say this is probably up there at the top of the list or close to it in terms of, you know, being the most disappointing for me. I really just expected a little bit more out of this. As far as the characters and the actor actresses who played them, um, again, I did enjoy seeing Josh again in a, a very different kind of state where, you know, now he's divorced from Renee and, uh, you know, him and the kids are sort of on a rocky ground. And I, I actually really did like that, you know, his relationship with his wife and his kids, um, 
it deteriorated from what happened in the second movie. And I did like how they expounded on that and explained that, you know, when those kids and his wife saw him trying to kill them, even though it wasn't him, um, that's something that had a lasting effect on them. That's something that you, you just couldn't forget. And so I did like that part of it. Um, but he was great in this movie. Rose Byrne was barely in this movie at all, to be honest. Um, but she was good in the part she was in. I did like uh, Sinclair Daniels' role as Chris. I did think she was, you know, just something a little new, something a little fun, added a little comedic element to it. Uh, I did enjoy Ty Sim- Simpkins back as Dalton. Um, I thought that, you know, for somebody who um, hasn't acted a whole lot lately, at least not in anything big or anything I've seen, um, you know, I did I did enjoy um, hit the continuation of his character. I thought that the weak link of this movie, in my opinion, was Andrew Astor back as Foster. You know, he's just never had a really big role in these movies. He's always been sort of off to the side or just there. Uh, in this movie, it, you know, there were some, you know, acting moments that were a little shaky for me coming from him. Um, and I'm not saying that that's all his fault. You know, some of it could be in the script as well. But, um, you know, I, I did feel a little, you know, some shaky dialogue or delivery, you know, come from his character or his performance uh, in this movie a little bit. Um, and again, nobody else in the movie really played a big enough part to, um, to you know, speak on uh, much. But, you know, I did enjoy seeing Lynn Shea back as Elise. She was, you know, she's always great. Um, it was nice seeing Lee Winnell and Angus Sampson back as Specs and Tucker, even if it was just for a short little cameo. Um, you know, they 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 were so fun in, in the first two movies, and um, you know, I enjoy their presence in these movies as sort of a comedic element, comedic factor. But like I said, you don't really get much out of anybody else because. The, the story is basically just focus, focusing on mostly Dalton, but also, you know, the, the character of Josh as well. So, um, you know, not much there to, to talk about. But overall, uh, yes, I would definitely say that I was disappointed in this movie. Um, will they make another one? I doubt it. Uh, this movie was one of those where it ended and it, there was no bonus jump scare at the end or anything like that. Um, it just ended happily with uh, Josh seeing uh, Lynn, or um, excuse me, I'm sorry, Josh seeing Elise and sort of having a peaceful moment at the end of, um, com- you know, sort of a completion of a story kind of moment um, with her telling him that, you know, he'll see his mother again and he'll be able to speak to her. And, and the movie just kind of ended. So, I, you know, it didn't really give me a vibe of, uh, you know, we're going to pick this franchise back up and, and go any more with it. This felt like a, a completion to me. It felt like they wanted to go back and, you know, do something with these characters again that involved uh, parts of the, the original storyline uh, with the first two movies. And so I, I, w- I really wouldn't expect another one, to be honest. But I could be wrong. Uh, I never would have thought they would have made a sequel to uh, the original two. So um, we'll see. But uh, I would say that the door is pretty much closed, no pun intended, on, um, on the Insidious franchise for, for at least the time being anyway. All right, guys, um, 
that's about all I've got. Just some short thoughts, a short review of the movie. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, it, again, going back to the top of the show, please make sure to seek out, um, you know, our, our Facebook, Twitter page, Ticket Stubs and Cassette Tapes. Give us a follow there. Uh, again, please make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening and check out our YouTube channel. Um, and I will really enjoy that. It'll be much appreciated. Keep an eye out for the Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny review. It'll be coming out in the next week. And I'm um, looking forward to putting that out and hearing what you guys have to say about it. So this has been uh, Andy with Ticket Stubs and Cassette Tapes, and we'll see you next time.